Hey guys, it's Eric and Vanessa, and it's uh, this fair life. This is going to be episode what eight ish, yeah, eight ish, nine ish, something like that. I've lost count. Um, <laughs> today's episode is going to be about emergency preparedness, just uh, kind of like lists of supplies and like uh, how did you put it earlier? You were like contingency contingency plans. plan. Yeah, you got to have a contingency. Pl- plan for everything guys yeah. uh if you've got one you've got none if you got two you got one yeah i mean contingency plans are are pretty big in the news right now uh given the whole sub sinking thing and nobody had any any contingency whatsoever to go like what happens if the batteries run out in the remote control <laughs> nobody knew until it sank so contingency plans and a kind of list of supplies what we kind of keep on hand uh, and what we think you, you should keep on hand. Uh, it's a very frustrated three-year-old over there. Four. 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 Was there like a word for a, a four-year-old? Is it like a... It's not terrible, terrible four. Terrible fours. Ferocious fours. Ferocious fours. She's just like dramatic fours. I think it's mostly dramatic fours. She's just to the point where she's got like lots of feelings and uh, like... It, there was an ad on her YouTube, uh, and so she had a big, giant, overly dramatic side just now, which was great. So uh, let's just jump right into it uh, and talk about supplies. Now, pretty much every governmental agency out there has a list of supplies. There's Ready.gov, the Red Cross, FEMA, CDC, CDC and they all kind of, they're all basically the same. They're all basically cooker, cookie cutter stuff. From it looks like the old Boy Scouts manuals. There's really nothing crazy on there. Uh, let's see. Let's just look at the ready.gov uh, kit real quick. Um, it says water, a gallon of water per person per day, uh, food. It just says food, several days supply of food. Mm-hmm. Yay. Thanks, Non perishable foods. Yeah. Battery or hand crank radio and a Noah Worth radio with the tone alert. Flashlight, first aid kit, batteries, whistle, dust mask, plastic sheeting. Uh, they watch that too many TV shows. Plastic sheet is not going to help you much. Towelettes. Moist towelet, garbage bags, and plastic tie. Uh, wrench or pliers. Manual can opener, local map, cell phone battery with chargers. Then it says it's added stuff in the, since the spring of 2020. So now it added, like, basically COVID supplies and prescription medications. Uh, non-prescription medications, pain relievers, anti-diarrheal, and acids and laxatives. Prescription eyeglasses, infant formula, pet food, some cash, important family documents, some sleeping bags. This is all pretty, like, feminine personal hygiene supplies, paper, books, matches. It's all pretty easy stuff. Um, and I'm going to build very heavily upon this list and recommend actual things instead of just generic right um first off you don't really want to store stuff in your first aid kit i mean in your sorry your uh kit that it, that you're not going to want to eat or use like there's no use storing like 14 cans of pears if you don't eat pears like canned pears right so uh as far as a gallon of water per person per day your average um tank water heater in a house is 45 to 50 gallons of water. There's a neat little spigot down there at the bottom that will let you uh, drain that. 
as long as your water heater is in good shape, you can unplug it, turn it off, and drain that, and you have 50 gallons of water. Uh, if it's in good shape, relatively new, then you don't even have all the hot, the, the hard water buildup and stuff in it. You can also not flush your toilets and use the water out of the back of the tank of those toilets. There's another couple gallons. Um, if you're in a office building, there's always the lowest pipe, supply pipe in the office building. That's going to get you several hundred gallons of water. So, I mean, there's always dashes of water, like, around in your house, even if you think that nothing's going to happen. Now, one of those uh, things that I do like is if you know, let's say, uh, there's a big storm, hurricane coming, anything like that, then there's, they, they sell these really neat, um, they, they're made of polycarbonate, I think, or PVC liner. They're, uh, they line your bathtub, and they have a little... Uh, uh, hole in the top that you just put them down, you lay them in your bathtub, you turn your bathtub on, and it fills up your entire bathtub full of water, but it fills up these uh, these big PVC bladders full of water, and then you put the cap on it, and now you have, you know, 75, 100 gallons of clean, safe drinking water right there. Uh, those work great. Big fan of them. You can even, there's even a little kit that hooks a hose to it and a hand pump, so uh, you don't have to try to dip water out of it or anything like that. It works super, super good. Those work great. Uh, 55-gallon drum barrels. If they're blue ones, they're food grade. They work super good, too, if you want to store some water long-term. Uh, man, there's so many different ways to store water. There's Even Amazon's got the cubes, the water cubes. Those work really well. You do want to rotate that water. One of the things that would suck would be to be in an emergency situation, grab a water cube, I go to drink it, and it tastes like mildew. Will it kill you? No. Is it going to taste bad? Yes. So you could treat the water before you put it in there with hydroperoxide or some uh, little bleach. Uh, but honestly, just rotating it every once in a while, taking it out, either drinking it or watering your garden with it, letting the container dry out completely, spraying the inside down with a little star sand or something else, and... Uh, then letting it dry and then refilling it. And that's just, you know, probably once every six to six months to a year type type situation. And it's really going to help you with water. You're never going to be in a situation where like, dang, I wish I didn't store so much water. Mm -hmm. And we're not telling you to put a whole bottle of bleach. It's two, it's actually two tablespoons of fresh, unscented, regular bleach per 55 gallon drum. So just to it's get a better just idea. A just tiny, a tiny, tiny bit. Um, yeah, so it's just a little bit, little bit. And I'm a big fan of water catchment systems too. Yeah, but so. then you have to deal with like you're gonna have to filter it then. Because yeah. and, and anything coming off of a roof that has shingles on it, you really don't want to be drinking it. It's got all that tar. I was thinking and more rainwater. Yeah, but the rain comes off the roof. How do you catch it if it doesn't come off? The roof? Don't you hook up like a PVC that goes to your roof? Goes to your roof. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I stand corrected. Hold on, you. My bad. My bad. Yeah. Uh, metal roofs, you guys. Uh, so metal roofs. If you're gonna do a PD, you're gonna do a water catchment system with your metal roof. One thing that everybody does is they just dump it all into one big water supply and then uh, go from there. I would challenge you to do something different. If you would have a more sophisticated setup, can't you filter it? Yes, but I would challenge you to do something different or reduce the amount of filtration you need. As the first, like if you've got a big storm coming in, the first like. Four or five minutes of hard rain, 
just let it run out of the ground and then just have a have a valve you can turn that'll start storing it after that. It'll wash all the bird poop, dust, sand, everything off of your off your roof. And then so everything you're storing there afterwards is going to rain catching system is relatively clean. You know? Wash the dead bugs and everything off that have got stuck on your roof over the last month or two since the last big rain. Just let them go out there in the grass. You don't want to store it. As far as a uh, so, we're, so we're talking about water. So as far as the uh, filtration systems go, um, I'm a big fan of Berkey. And Berkey, if you would uh, love to get a hold of us, we will sponsor you, or you can, you sponsor, can sponsor us. us. Sorry, <laughs> other way around. Oh, yeah. well, not sponsor you. You can sponsor yeah, us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we already sponsor you by owning your products. But uh, those work super, super well, guys. Berkey systems. Uh, Berkeys are expensive. They're expensive and worth it. If you don't uh, want to spend the money on a big Berkey you got a poor man's system, Berkey. poor man Berkey works just fine. You can buy the filters. Filters are not that expensive. And uh, using a step-down drill bit, drill it into a five-gallon bucket you get from Home Depot, screw the filters into that, and uh, rock and roll. And that's like a poor man's Berkey. It's a two-bucket system. You have the bucket up on top and the bucket on the bottom, and you can do five gallons at the top. So it works. The poor man's Berkey works super well. It filters just as well as the fancy stainless steel Berkey, except that it doesn't look nearly as shiny on your kitchen countertop, and it says uh, Home Depot on it. <laughs> or tractor supply. Tractor supply, mate. You guys make good uh, food grade buckets too. It's just pick your pick your pick them orange or white or red. Ooh, shiny. Shiny. You don't want the shiny one. Yeah, the shiny one's the one you want. Yeah, you want the real actual Berkey. Yeah, because it's really pretty. So uh, there's a bunch of other different types of water filtration. You got Sawyer type systems. You've got the little uh, Katadyne hand pump types. Uh, but I like passive things. Something you can set up, leave alone, and just rock and roll with it. And if I'm going to do something that's like, uh, like if I'm hiking and decide that I need a water filtration system at the time, then then one of the straw versions that hook onto a like, like a camelback uh, hydration system. Th- those work great. Those are fine. Um, live straw is not a water filter. Like, I mean, okay, there's, it doesn't work the same way, right? It's not going to get rid of like hard mineral, like like hard metals and stuff. The live straws kill uses ultraviolet light and stuff to kill like a lot of different bacteria and stuff. I believe they do actually have a filtration one. As well, which are the which ones are the straws that we have in our bug out bags? Both. Both. We have the filtration one, which works good, and then we have the uh, UV lighty one. Okay. Yeah, uh, and it's just run it through the UV lighty one, and then uh, to kill all your protozoa, your bacteria, your viruses, and whatnot, and then uh, you can just drink it with the uh, other one. But that's our that's in our like, oh, everything has gone to hell, and we need to leave our house, and the only way you're getting us to do that is. Like, drop a nuke close enough that we need to run away from the radiation. Other than that, we're not leaving. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about some emergencies um, that you'd want to prepare for. So we have earthquakes, tornadoes, um, emergency evacuations, droughts, thunderstorms, floods, tropical cyclone, uh, terrorism, you know, power outages, uh, explosions, things like that. So well, it's it, it, there's kind of a, I guess... The feral rule of emergencies, right? And the feral rule of emergencies is going to be the more people that an emergency uh, involves, the less likely it is to happen, all right? 
So like, a per, like an emergency to you would be that you break your leg and can't go to work, right? Or like uh, me, because I, I have to walk around a lot. I break my leg and I can't go to work. So that's an emergency for our family and an emergency to us. And that's why we store like money and stuff like that. So we can float our way through places. But that is more likely to happen than an asteroid hitting the earth, right? So the more people that are involved in it, like a localized flood is much more likely to happen than a extreme uh, hurricane that takes out like, you know, four like cities, you know? So the more people involved, the, the, the less likely it is to happen. And she agrees. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, um, we've got, and most of these, like, there'll be some specialty items for s- specific events. Uh, that was a lot of S's. Uh, but <laughs> but uh, other than that, there's almost everything is universal. Like uh, food. Don't store a bunch of stuff that you have, that, that you have to cook really like beyond ad hot water too, right? And this is where your freeze-dried meals come into it. Uh, ramen works really well for this if you're just going like the broke boy way. It's like ramen and those kind of stuff. Uh, you can find a surprising amount of freeze-dried stuff at the Asian stores. Mm-hmm. Like a surprising amount of cheap freeze-dried things. And freeze-dried food is pretty pricey. So, I mean, even if getting a small freeze-dryer is probably worth it to help you prepare in the events of anything happening. We're, so, we're spoiled they, in that way because we have two freeze-dryers. pretty convenient. Yeah. yeah. We, we, have free, we have freeze-dryers. We spent the time to get freeze-dryers because we found a way to monetize them by through selling candy and foods and all sorts of different baby foods and all, and, and all sorts of different things. Uh, so... That's one thing you guys should look into is just like a little side business. If you can make it pay for itself, and what the monthly payments on the big one was what, like $130 a month? Mm-hmm. It wasn't anything. That was like one batch of candy paid for the whole dang thing. Mm-hmm. And then we figured out it costs about four bucks every time we run it in power. Yep. And uh, for us, for even just storing food, it's at nice. $4 yeah. to store like, Oh man, what fits in that big one? Like we've done spaghetti, we've done uh beans, 40 pounds, we've 35, done mashed 40 potatoes. Pounds fit big one, right? Um we've done all kinds of stuff. I think like what 30 pounds 30 pounds of yeah, stuff fits in the big one. So 30 pounds of food fits in the big one. And uh I mean it, it runs four bucks to uh to run it and it allows us to store everything. We've done yeah, whole meals, meats, vegetables, everything. Okay, one caveat with freeze dried. It's good. however you put it in there, it's going to come out exactly the same when you add water to it. So if you put raw steak in there, you're going to get raw steak out. It does not cook anything. It just freeze dries. So you can freeze dry raw steak just fine and store it forever and ever on a shelf, 25-year shelf life if you store it correctly. I like wallaby bags. Those are the, those are the bags. Mm-hmm. The wallaby bags with a couple of the uh, those little uh, moisture absorber thingamajigs mm-hmm. in there. And oxygen absorbers. Yeah. Then heat seal the then seal the bag and heat seal the bag. And you're good food to go. Food grade oxygen absorbers. Yeah. There's different types. So make sure you get the food grade ones. But then you can take that, that steak out there. You're not just going to add hot water to it and have a steak again. You're going to add water to it. That steak's going to come out raw. It's going to look like you just bought it at the grocery store. Now you need to cook it. So you're not doing yourself any favor by storing raw meat. 
oh, soups are really good to store too. Oh, yeah. So if you make a soup for the family and you have excess, then it's great to just freeze dry that, package them oh, up, and then beef add stew water does later. Really, beef really stew good. Is really good. Uh, chicken soup does really good. Yeah, chili. Chili does great. Mm -hmm. It. it uh, eggs. Eggs do really good. Eggs. One thing that the freeze dryers don't do well is fat. So, uh, you know, the more it, food, I'm sorry, the more fat the food has, the harder it is for it to freeze dry. And the faster it, it goes back. Yeah, it stays like rancid. I'm yeah. not a fan. 10 out of 10 do not recommend. So, yeah. Uh, so if you're going to do like a like a fatty soup or something, you're going to want to let it cool and congeal and then take all the fat off the top. Right. Uh, and that, that's one of the really mm -hmm. fast and easy ways to get rid of all the fat in something. Cool it down. I let it congeal on top and then just lift that fat layer up off the top, put it out, just pour it in your trays that way, liquid and all. It's all going to freeze dry. And then we get fancy in this house. We even did Toscana soup. Oh, yeah, we and did. And we freeze dried that. Yeah. And that came out really well. Did yeah. really well. What else did we do? We did all sorts of stuff. We made backpacking meals. Yeah. Um, yeah, backpacking meals, applesauce. All, all sorts of, of things, yeah. really. And uh, one cool thing about what happens with pasta, like if you do a pasta dish and you freeze dry it, all it takes is a little bit of hot water and it goes right back to pasta. It doesn't turn mushy. It doesn't get all crazy or anything. It just goes right back to it. Same with rice, any type of dish like that. It's oh, rice is really well. Yeah, it's way better than like your instant uh, instant rice. Like it, it, it does way, way better. Um, so kind of a side note there. If you can, get one. Uh, get one. Um, and I believe we're going to work on trying to get an affiliate link for those guys so we can get you guys a discount as far as going through like Harvest Right. Um, and, but yeah, their layaway plan is really easy. You just, they're not going to ship it to you until it's paid for, but you don't have to pay. There's no minimum amount of months you can pay. You can pay as much as little as you want. And then, um, they're going to ship it to you once it's paid for. Uh, that might take you a while. But it is what it is. Uh, alternately, you can finance them in any bunch of different ways. We chose to finance our big one through, I believe, a firm, right? Because a firm had this special with Harvest Right where it was 0% interest for like 24 months. And the payment ended up being like, uh, I put a couple hundred bucks down and the payment was like $130 a month. And just couldn't beat it because it shipped, got here within like a week. And uh, we had it to play with, so we didn't have to worry about it being on layaway forever. And we got, man, we've really put those things to work. Yeah, we have. We've built, we've, uh, and it's very, very easy to make them pay for themselves. I keep saying that, but it's super, super easy. Uh, Freeze-dried milk. Uh, heck, there's a whole bunch of mommy groups out there who freeze-dried breast milk, like excess breast milk. For the hospitals. And it works great. You just have to add water to it. And it goes right back to being the whole breast milk. So if you've got cattle. That would work good for that. Uh, if you've got just. As far as like all your gardens. Variety vegetables. You can dehydrate them. Can them or freeze dry them. Uh, and we choose to freeze dry. As much as possible. It is extremely lightweight. Everything fits in really cheap little mylar bags. And you can stack them in crates, and you can. I can go and pick up an entire year's worth of food packed into a 55 gallon drum. And it's not just like beans and rice. Uh, I mean, it's not just food we don't want to eat. It's 
like basically leftovers of everything we ate that year. <laughs> and uh, go and pick it up and, and in a 55 gallon drill barrel if it's freeze dried and just throw it in the back of my truck without, you know, breaking my back or hurting myself in any way uh, because it's so lightweight. Uh, yeah. And I mean, everywhere is different as far as the food cottage industry laws go. And I don't believe there's a lot of laws around freeze dried stuff yet, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of leeway there for you to be able to make uh, a side gig out of freeze dried. Uh, you've got everybody's favorite is the candies, but now everybody and their mom's kind of freeze drying candies. There's other things. Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised if like candy manufacturers crack down really hard because you're basically getting their products and freeze drying it and monetizing and it. Making and making it way better. It's their brand. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in some cases, making it way better. Way better. Um, but I'm sure there's some, um, I already know that like um, Skittles, uh, Mars yeah. is already coming down on, on freeze dry uh, businesses. Yeah, and, people uh, are using Skittles, their logos. Yeah. People are using their logos and stuff. Yeah. So it's a little tricky there. I wouldn't recommend uh, freeze drying candy. I'm not a big fan of it. I don't. I see. I tend to stick to the healthy things because people like you know healthy alternatives to snacking. Oh, For example, oh strawberries. One, one of my favorites is um, the red bell peppers. Oh, those so are great. So we freeze dry them as a potato chip alternative. Uh, so we freeze dry the bell peppers and we we dip them in hummus and it will change your life. It'll rock your world. It is like the best thing. And there's a big. I mean, there's a. There's plenty of room there, wiggle room there, within the um, cottage industry laws for you to be able to do that mm -hmm. and sell that as a packaged chip right. product. Right, right. So, and here in Texas, the, the, the cottage industry laws are, are pretty lax. Extremely relaxed. Honestly, yeah. um, com in compared to like some East Coast states. So, you know. Um, yeah. So that, that's kind of off the high horse as far as... Uh, Freeze dry. Freeze dry. You got any more? Yeah. Freeze dry high horse to get on. No, no, no. <laughs> we love. We just love it that much. But um, yeah. And if you guys have any questions on that, this episode wasn't intended to be solely on freeze drying. But let us know if you have questions. We'll be happy to answer those. Now the freeze dryer is completely useless as soon as the power goes out. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> so back to contingencies. So okay. So we already. So we got food. The, we got food. We yeah. defined the types of emergencies that would require you know those types of contingencies. You're gonna want your canned foods. Canned soups and stews, yeah. uh, any freeze dried food you can pick up, and you're gonna want to look uh, at uh, the the middle of winter at like your uh, academy sports or your sports and health goods stores when nobody's camping. A lot of the times they're clearing out that year's freeze dried meals, like the mountain house meals and stuff like that, and you can go and pick them up for really cheap. So just keep your eyes out during the during the winter times. And then you have, you know, your canned formula, obviously, if you have a baby, um, but also think of other ways, right? Canned formula is super expensive. I get it. You know, I'm a new mom. Like, you know, my baby's four years old now, but I went through that whole phase. Um, but if you're thinking a, of a long-term solution, you know, we're talking like 72 hours to a year. <laughs> I know that's, that's kind of, you know. That's a out. really big. Yeah, that is. But let's, let's think about a year, right? Like your baby's going to grow, you know, so start, you know, freeze drying some milk. Some like actual gallons of milk, like that freeze dries really well. It turns into a powder. It does require a I lot of time to freeze dry, but I've seen people do it. So. Yeah, but to me, it's not really worth it when when you can buy the freeze dried milk. I mean, but the freeze dried milk. No, we got true. some in here we use for pancakes. 
Yeah. It, it, it's cheap. It comes in a big like, yeah. 10 or pound bag. Or a couple of bags of freeze dried milk. Yeah. You know, Eric's right. That, that, um, that way you so have cheap. that, you know, you have those stages. Like you also, if you have a baby, you have to think about the stages of, of how they eat. We stored all that Nandu. What is it called? Nando. Nando. Nano. I don't know. It's the baby drink. It's called a toddler drink. And uh, man, we have some somewhere. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what it's called now. But uh, it's uh, it's real good. It works great. Um, storing some of that is not going to hurt you at all. And even if your kid's a little bit older, storing one of those, just in case you get to a point where you're eating like crappy food, you can always supplement them by giving them one of those toddler drinks. And it's going to give them all of the vitamins and minerals and fats and stuff they need. Um, just in case like you're down to beans and rice, eventually yeah. you can always give your kiddo a boost so they don't end up with uh, like neurological issues mm-hmm. later in life. Yogurt freeze dries really well. Too. Yeah, it does. So like little yogurt drops like, are awesome. Yo- yeah, we did yogurt drops as, as toddler snacks, which is really cool. Again, we just are big fans of knowing what our toddler's eating. Um, so uh, yogurt drops were a big go for us. Like they were a must have. Yeah. Corn, surprisingly. Corn freeze dries, yeah. That so, turned uh, into a great snack. <laughs> I freeze dried, uh, you know, I'm Hispanic, so I freeze dried elote because I was like, oh, let me freeze dry elote. You know, let me see what, you know, corn it didn't like stick to the corn. It did the The spices didn't stick to the corn. However, they, it still tasted very lemony and still very spicy, too. Um, It was actually really good. And then all you would do is add a little bit of water, butter, and we you got it, it all the time. Yeah, like, so it was perfect. We had like several gallon bags of it yeah. at one time. I was just, just sitting I, around. I got in this mode of like, okay, let me figure out like healthy alternatives, snack alternatives, right? Like, you know, what people really want, but don't have, like, they only have access to like chips and all the fatty stuff. So I was like, let's go with something cool. And so we were exploring different options. And that's how I explored uh, with Elote. And, you know, it, it was, it was great, actually. So. Yeah, I mean, it's super Definitely easy a to Definitely staple use. in this household now. We still use some of that corn because, like I said, several gallon bags. Yeah. Then, like, what do we need to go? Like, you know, if I need some corn for some corn and potatoes or something like that, I just go get some of that, toss it in some hot water, and back, back to corn. A little spicy, a little lemony corn. <laughs> yeah. But, hey, it's corn. But uh, it works out really, really well. Um, as far as now, I see on this ready.gov, the next one is, Battery powered hand crank radio or and a NOAA weather radio with tone alert. I'm going to go ahead and just say get yourself a Baofeng UV5R or UV8R. Um, it is the, uh, it's a radio. Uh, it does the, one of those ones, those guys have that cult about it and they hate to let people in on it. That's the, um, uh, the radio, the whether people have a cult, you know, that's, it's not, I mean, like, it's not really a cult, but it's like the one where you need to have a license to do it. Uh, and I've never taken, I've never really, just look up Baofeng UV5R. You don't need any of that. You don't need a weather radio license. <laughs> she gets so mad. Uh, so it's amateur radio. It's the two way radios. It's uh, man, it's got a word. It's got a specific name, and my brain went completely blank on it. Um, doo, 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 doo. But one of the things I like about these is the UV five R is part ninety license. It can be used with a part ninety license. That doesn't no. It's called radio. something radio, amateur radio, ham radio, ham radio. That's what it's called. Ham radio, high altitude frequency modulation. 
So uh, it's a ham radio. Those guys, they're starting to get nicer about it. But, but like 10 years ago, ham radio operators were just dicks. Uh, and that was because they were, they were just like a whole bunch of old fogies who didn't want any of these new young people coming in here messing up our radio. And then they realized that everybody was dying off and had a ham radio license. And so they've made it a lot easier to get a ham radio license. I think I need a, a ham radio operator. Who was an old <laughs> cranky guy, right? So uh, UV5Rs are the older ones. Uh, then UV8Rs are now the, the newer, bester ones. Um, I like them. They're cheap. You can get a whole bunch of them in a big old, like uh, 5R, the, 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 the number indicates the amount of watts, the power mm-hmm. watts, right? So 5R, 8R, stuff like that. I love them. They have a built-in flashlight, SOS, weather radio, scanning local police, fire, EMS, all of the radio stations, even like the, the, the walkie-talkie type. You can set them to scan the high-altitude stuff. You can listen to um, like the space station on a clear night. Do you like, think a Beofang UV-5R radio would have been come in handy for that submarine? Maybe. The SOS on it? I mean, I'm just well, thinking, guys. And the reason we wanted to talk about contingencies, because, like, holy shit, they went out. They, they, you know, submerged, like, deeper than anything ever has. Two miles, two and a half miles. Two and a half miles. No contingencies. With literally a PlayStation running their operation. Well, no, the PlayStation controller. Oh, did you guys, PlayStation controller. Did you see the inside <laughs> of the inside of the thing, right? It only yeah. has one, one button. button. Yeah. One button. Like, what were they thinking? I mean, I have contingencies for getting a flat tire. I have like, a contingency have, for a contingency. Yeah, contingency on top of contingency, you know? Like, I just don't understand, like, what the thought process was when they're like, let's go where ah, no one's gone before. It'll be fine. It'll be great. We have one button here. This is our rescue mission. You button. can't like, mess it up if it has one button. Yeah, I don't know So how. the one button is, like, so its default is off, which is a red ring. And it's, they push it and it goes green and connects to the little remote yeah. control. And we're not trying to be insensitive. Yeah, you know, I know, we, right? We, you it's know, coming across much love to the families that are worried. Um, and I don't want to come across as insensitive. It's just really mind blowing how, the, the, you know, what the Did anybody was, check you know, the batteries in the remote control? Yeah. What was your plan if, if XYZ <laughs> failed? You know, what was your, you know, do people have a mapping, a mapped area of where you're going to be? You know, um, things like that. On so. this tangent, I'd also like to point out. That for the first like fifty some odd hours of the search, they were just looking on top of the water, right? They lost connect- connection with them way down deep in the ocean. But they're like, "Oh, we'll just return to the surface." Well, if they couldn't return to the surface, let's say you lost your child in a mall, and what you would say, "Go here," if you get lost, right? right. So why did nobody until literally three hours ago think to look around the Titanic? As of 12 minutes ago, they're still hearing banging in that area, but they can't pinpoint the source of the area. I'm going to go ahead and say near the Titanic. Yeah. Because that was their destination. They know like like a toddler. Like, okay, if I was in, if my little remote was losing battery, I didn't have enough to make it to the surface, but I could glide and crash right next to the Titanic. Where everybody in the world knows where the Titanic is at. And it's the only spot in the ocean that everybody and knows everybody knew that's where it's exactly at. exactly where we were going. Where are you supposed to go? Like the toddler. Go to the kiosk, right? They went to the kiosk. But uh, the problem with that is, is that <laughs> there's no way to get them. Like, nobody knows how to get down two and a half miles deep. Uh, 
yeah. again, like what was the, the thought process and contingency behind that? It would be it would have been cool if they had another device like that, another uh or a grapple. like that. Or uh yeah, or anything. One is none, two is one. Yeah. This was really not well thought out. Yeah. So. And they just they fired the wasn't it the CEO? They fired the CEO last year because he was like, guys, this is really not safe. And uh, there's no contingency plan. And we don't know what to have do. And, like, the controller runs out of batteries. Uh, he, he was a party pooper. Yeah, like, oh, it'll be fine. <laughs> Nothing will happen. Quit being negative. Wait until we get a whole boatload full of billionaires. We'll show them. <laughs> yeah. It's just, oh, humans, man. You guys are so awesome. You're, you can do so many cool things and then turn around and run to the first, like, more people have been in space than the bottom of the ocean, okay? And then to put all of it, rely on two AA batteries, which everybody knows AA batteries suck in the cold, right? And it's like 29 degrees down there. And nobody's like, hey, anybody just got some extra batteries on you? Does everybody know, really? That they suck in the cold. Not, not really. Probably, I mean, you that's not common sure knowledge. Not, not probably not. not Your car you batteries die in the cold all the time. Like car batteries suck in the cold. Maybe billionaires don't Google those things. Yeah, billionaires. Yeah, whatever. It's a battery. It works on magic. So anyway, uh, the UV eight R. We need like uh, the the lost goat of tangents. Always. <laughs> <laughs> so the tangent goat. Uh, so, uh, UV AR, dude, big, 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 huge fan of these things. We have six, I believe, of them, uh, because you can buy them in packs of six and they're cheap. So one good thing I like about them is that they will charge DC or AC. So the little charger, uh, will take a USB port in the back of it. So you can just USB it right to a foldable solar panel and charge your radios. Another thing I'll... I suggest you buy if you buy the the uh, the if you do buy a Beofung uh, uh, radio, the UV8R. They're not twenty five bucks. Like beat that, right? To be able to talk to the space station, beat that, right? Uh, is if you're going to get it, get the du- the battery the the double A battery backup pack. It's completely empty. It takes like eight double A batteries and uh, fits on the bottom. You know, like fits replaces the back. Of your radio while you're charging one thing or another. Uh, the way the reason that I suggest that is it lasts forever. Ever. I, I once went camping with the radio and uh, we were using it to keep in touch with our buddies, right? Because everybody has a ham radio license nowadays. So we're all using it on the beach to keep in touch with each other. And I was like, I wonder how long these AA batteries will last. I just used, I think, Amazon Basics AA batteries. Three weeks later, I still had half charge. And we were, I was listening to radio for music because it'll pick up AM and FM as well. It's a really do-it-all radio. Uh, if you have two of them, you're done. That's all you need. Uh, the only thing that I would suggest is that you buy a whip antenna. It comes with a little rubber ducky antenna. It's a, uh, Anybody that knows a little bit about radios understands what a rubber ducky is. It's a little rubber antenna that sticks off the top about, like, you know, six inches or so. A whip antenna is a thin little metal one that sticks up off the top, kind of like the one that fits on your car. Like, well, I guess older cars, right? Like the little metal antenna that fits on your older car. 
with a little whip antenna, you go from like maybe two miles to like several miles of, uh, and then you can hook from there up all sorts of different antennas and go to the moon, literally. So uh, they work awesome, guys, like super, super, super great. I can't say enough nice things about them. The only thing that I would say that kind of is terrible is uh, you can program them two different ways, through the keypad, which is not very difficult, or through the software onto your computer, which is clunky, weird, and slow. So uh, if you are going to do six radios like we have and put the same fill, that means uh, fill, when you're talking about radios, means the same uh, like set of data in each one of the radios. Then yes, hooking it up to your computer, spending the time to put in all the frequencies and label everything right and pretty, uh, and then just plugging one radio in after another, dropping it in there, and you're done. Now, another good thing is that I found that these things store forever. You take them apart, you put them in a Mylar bag, and you put the Mylar bag with your individual radios and inside of a, what do we got it in? Like a 30 millimeter ammo can? Mm-hmm. Like a 30 millimeter ammo can. And now you're EMP proof for your radios forever. Throw in a couple of folding solar panels uh, and um, wrap the batteries you do have up in Mylar and throw those in there as well. And now you have a mobile radio communication station to go anywhere. Uh, I would also buy a uh, USB uh, DC battery charger for, it's a universal battery charger. It'll do all the way down to AAAs, all the way up to Cs and Ds batteries. It'll plug right into your foldable solar panel. And let's bring us to a foldable solar panel. We have three in this household. We have one small one that has a Molly on the back of it. And I think it is only a 50-watt little foldable solar panel. And it's designed to hook onto a backpack. And you unfold it, and it rolls down the outside of your backpack and clips on kind of down underneath the bottom of the backpack. So as you're walking throughout the day, you're just charging constantly whatever you have it hooked into. And it has four USB ports, and you can hook into, like, your cell phone. You can hook into a battery, like, in the back of your, like, your backpack. So just putting a little, like, 12-volt, 8-amp battery, like the kind used for, like, a deer feeder, for example, in the bottom of a backpack and charging that thing. It's going to add, you know, four or five pounds of weight. But now you'll be able to, say, jump a small car. Uh, you know, uh, charge everybody's cell phone two dozen times. <laughs> you know, charge every radio you have several times. Start up a radio somewhere else. You can do all so bunch of things with that neat little battery. It'll help you quite a bit. Okay, I think that then we have a bigger foldable solar panel, and that one just stays in the thirty cal ammo can with its smaller little brother, and that that's kind of like our just like shit hit the fan type, you know, radio. What's that? Is that a good way to put it? It's just our uh, contingency power supply. Like everybody knows universal shit hit the fan. Um, So let's talk about if you don't have a food supplies, you know, if you didn't prepare, you know, for at least a three day um, run without food, like you have to leave your house in an emergency, you don't have a bug out bag, 
um, how do they forage for food? Like, what would what would you do? Well, a long time ago, they used to call humans long pork. Yeah, <laughs> not happening. Yeah. No. Uh, well, I mean, going for going without food for a few days as a uh, adult isn't gonna like hurt you. Right. Um, not as an American, most of us are pretty fat anyway. Um, so that's that's probably not gonna hurt you. Water is your bigger problem. Uh, water filtration for that. You got the live straws. We already talked about the two different types. Get the one that's the actual filter filter one, not just the UV one. Um, and rock and roll with that or a Sawyer Acadian system. Uh, and then you should be okay. I would suggest that you get a local edible food, an edible wildlife or like a local edible book. Like Texas has a really cool one. It's like what's edible in Texas. And you can find it in like every checkout at every HEB ever, right? Throughout the entire state. Uh, but online, every state has like a lit, like a book that just has all the pictures and whatever's edible or whatever season and rock and roll with it. So you've got that. That's a really pretty universal option. If you, uh, one thing I would stay away from 100% is mushrooms. Uh, just stay away from them, guys. Just yeah, in a survival you know situation. Doing, yeah, unless you know what you're doing. Even then, yeah, there's plenty of people who know what they're doing. Yeah. And, and still eat that fatal mushroom. And still eat, yeah, every mushroom's edible once. <laughs> yeah, unless you know what you're growing. Yeah, you know? I would I would stay away from uh, wild mushrooms. There's just too many lookalikes. Uh, in a survival situation when you're already hungry and your vision makes everything, your nose makes everything smell good, and you're, you're like, eh, it's probably fine. It's not going to be fine. Just stay yeah. away from mushrooms. As far as that, uh, man, uh, in the, the southern United States really has it, has, it, it would seem like we would do really, really good on wild edibles, but it's actually kind of a food desert when it comes to the the wild, wild edibles like the Pacific Northwest has. Uh, you've got greens and a lot of them, but then you have this big burst of uh, berries and stuff in the spring, and you have absolutely nothing, and then it gets super hot, and then you have grapes, and then you have nothing until the fall. And uh, as far as vegetables go. Uh, now, in the Pacific Northwest and uh, and also like in the, the mountainous regions, you've got different microclimates where stuff's available. Like, you know, you've got berries that are up on the top of the mountain or up on the sides of the mountain that are ready a month before the stuff down in the bottom of the mountain. So you've got you've got a gradient of food that's ready. And it's probably why, you know, humans evolved to live in mountainous kind of areas <laughs> and in valleys. Just from the sheer amount of things that were uh, uh, ready. Now, one thing that the the southern United States does have is protein. We have protein up the wazoo. Just tons and tons and tons of protein. Uh, we have, you know, tons of fish, tons of uh, different wildlife, tons of exotic wildlife, tons of feral hogs. So we've got food year-round, but not a lot of fiber. Yeah, uh, so just know what your local stuff is. I'm not a big fan of, like, foraging like that. Yeah. Uh, just because it's too uncontrolled, and you have to deal with, like, parasites 
and making noise and other people. If it's gotten to the point where you need to bug out and carry your food with you, it's much better to carry stuff that requires a very minimal amount of preparedness and you can just basically grab it and go. Yeah. And while you're at it, you know, uh, picking up books that, that show you what's edible in the wild, get one that shows you how to process animals because uh, that would be good to know, right? You have one of those in your bug out bag in the event that you ever do have to hunt, you know, um, or fish, you know, you know how to process and clean the fish and what you're doing. I think it's like called the Country Wisdom uh, Handbook. Mm-hmm. I think that's the one that I'm talking uh, that I that I remember reading as a kid that showed you how to process pretty much everything from a squirrel to uh, you know like a horse. <laughs> so super useful, super useful. Um, but yeah, like definitely one of those things you want to to be familiar with before you have to do it. I'm not saying go out there and stalk the squirrels in your your neighborhood. But uh, you definitely want to be a little bit familiar with murder until before yeah. it becomes time to watch some YouTube videos. You know, it. just learn. Nothing's wrong with learning and building skills, guys. So. Getting some hands-on experience. Yeah, exactly. So, because there's a big difference. Take the course. Yeah, there's a big difference between uh, you know uh, watching it on YouTube and being isolated from the smells and the mess, and uh, you know actually getting you know squirrel blood on you. <laughs> So yeah, if you've got somebody that knows how to hunt, uh, take you know, ask them to take them with you. Take and then don't complain. Be the cool friend, not the whiny one. If you're like if, if you have propensity to go, ew, stay home. Just, just don't make their life miserable. Because you'll just become something they talk about forever. But yeah, that's about it. I took you, honey. You you had a lot of fun. Yeah, the first time I'd never been hunting, and that was our first date, and I it was it was wild. It was great. This massive murder boner. (laughs) Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Like I have no problem. I now know that I have no problem hunting. You you know, she's not a big fan of processing food. You're not a huge fan of like gutting the deer and stuff. No, that that doesn't bother me at all. I don't. I mean, but once he like quarters it up and all that, I have no problem. You know, getting once the meat looks like meat. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, once the meat looks like meat, uh, she's all good. But it's the problem of of taking it from Bambi to uh, looking like meat. Yeah, I love that, that part. A lot to him. of people have problems with it. But have I seen him do it plenty of times? Where I, in, a, in an emergency situation, I know what I'm doing, or I feel pretty confident. Heck yes. So. Yeah, I don't. I don't really doubt that you'd be okay with it. Mm-hmm. I think you'd do pretty good. Yeah. I mean, kind of worried that. You're probably going to try to process me someday. <laughs> <laughs> I do tend to shank you. Yeah, you do like to surprise knife fight me. So if you have like a uh, slightly angry uh, Mexican wife and she likes to fake knife fight you, she just like hide yeah, places I'll and then jump and out and be like, knife shake. fight! Yeah, you're like, shake, 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 stab, stab, stab. And you're like, you know, this is not at all helping my PTSD from the war. Right? Like, not even a little. So, That's pretty funny. You don't think it's great. Okay, so we have covered some battery power. What's uh, What was the next one on our list there? Oh, um, waste. Waste management. Oh, waste management. Going potty. Okay. <sighs> I am a big fan of those little buckets that you put uh, the little uh, 
Now you can buy them already pre-made where it's a five gallon bucket and you basically put a plastic bag in the five gallon bucket, put the edge of the plastic bag over the five gallon bucket. Like you would if you're making a trash can, you know, like over the side. And then you put this seat that has a toilet seat down. It flips and it clips on the top. It's good to go, right? Love it. It works super well. It's nice and tidy and clean. You don't have to yeet the buckets every time you use it. Now, I only use them if you're a guy and you're peeing in the bucket, you're wrong. Go pee on a tree. Go do something like that, right? If you're a girl and you're peeing in the bucket with, uh, like, full with the plastic bag, you're also wrong. Take another bucket that has the bottom removed on it, put it somewhere sandy or over a little hole in the ground, and pee in that. And then you can just throw some dirt or something over the top of it. The bucket should only be for poo, right? And then just next to the bucket, have a uh, some sawdust works really well in another bucket, just sitting there, uh, lime, anything like that to kind of keep the smell down works great. Or if you just have a plethora of those bags, they're just small little trash bags, like the kind that fit in like uh, like a two gallon or three gallon trash can. They're, they're just small little guys. And so you go potty in there, you uh, take it off, you tie it up, uh, you're going to go. I personally don't like the whole tying process. So I like to keep like just just glued to the side of the bucket. I just took like a, like a, like basically like a business, not like a business card, what is like a piece of uh, construction paper and glued it on three sides of the side and then just stuffed it full of uh, the smallest zip ties I could find, like little narrow ones. So you take out the, the, the potty bag, you just twist it once or twice, wrap your zip tie around it, bam, done. Not have to tie it, not have to worry about touching anything gross. And then you could just chuck it in a hole or chuck it into your waste management area to burn later, or however you intend to deal with it from there. It is super easy. It's probably the cheapest and easiest way to get away with that. Outside of long-term building a outhouse, your neighbors are not going to be happy with you if you have a you know five-day power outage because of a hurricane, and you have now dug a giant poop pit in the backyard and are pooping there. But just having a bucket with some trash bags, throwing them all into a into one area so you can take care of them later, uh, is going to be just fine. It won't smell. Nobody will even know it's there. Good to go, right? So that's that's kind of my uh, my take on that. Do you have anything to add to that? Mm-mm. Yep. No, that's pretty much that pretty much covers everything. Yeah. I think um, with what that. else? Um... Weather issues, you know. I'm thinking you're hot, you're cold. Do you what, what are those uh, blankets that you uh, always recommend? The little silver ones, the mylar blankets. Yeah. So here's the problem. I would rather play zombie apocalypse when it's cold than zombie apocalypse when it's super hot, because once you're hot, you really can't cool down very easily. But if you're cold, you can always put on more clothes, right? So. Keeping cool, you're going to have to become crispicular in the heat. So crispicular, there's your $5 word of the day. That means most active during uh, the first couple hours before sunrise, the first couple hours after sunset, and um, then being that and that being your new normal versus don't play around in the middle of the day 
whereas the middle of the day is going to be your hottest period. That's where you're going to be using the most water and dipping hardest into your uh, stash, right? So definitely avoid work during the 100, like it's 110 today, literally here. So we did nothing during the hottest part of the day. We got all of our errands ran super early and uh, did nothing. You run most of the errands. I've been working, so my husband runs all the errands, but he'll take our daughter out. You know, before, like, by 11.30, they're already home. So yeah, we're done. They're out and about. They'll go to breakfast. They'll run errands. They'll go to the grocery store, whatever they need to do, and then come back home. Yeah, they were done. It's uh, it's way too miserable out there to do any other anything. So it's just going to have to kind of adapt to your condition. If it's hot and you happen to be out in the middle of nowhere, you're going to want to find the deepest shade you can behind or below the deepest trees cover you can trees perspire and that's how they keep themselves cool as they always have a, uh, a little bit of evaporation going. So there's always evaporative cooling and the uh, deeper and the darker the shade, the more evaporative cooling is going on. So it's really going to help you out to get underneath the biggest tree and the deepest brush under the biggest tree that you can. Now be advised. Those are places where all the other animals are trying to get to. So you might have to have a contested space uh, there. Uh, Keeping warm is pretty self-explanatory. Put on more clothes. Or start a fire. Which is also fun. Starting fires are great. So fire is awesome. But uh, be cognizant of your fire. Your fire kind of tells everybody in the world where you're at exactly. So you want to be kind of careful about that. So you can, uh, you got to be kind of careful about that. Go get me one. Go get one. I'm sending uh, my my toddler on a fetch mission to give me a Coke. Let's see if it works. I kind of gesticulated at the Coke can. Oh, it's working. Oh, it's working. Go team. Yeah, get it. You can do it. Shut it softly. Softly. Be sweet. Go, go, go. Hey, she got it. What? People don't care if we talk about our kids. <laughs> like, we're never going to get a sponsorship if you keep talking off about the kids. Like, yeah, we will. So, uh, how are you going to store your stuff? Uh, I suggest storing it underneath your bed. It works out super well. So one year's worth of food weighs, for a family of four, weighs a little under 1,000 pounds. If you do it according to the uh, LDS uh, supply list, Uh, that's going to fit in roughly two 55-gallon drums or take up the same amount of space as a queen mattress if it's laid out to like a layer underneath your queen mattress. So uh, there are ways to use like your uh, what do you call those? The containers, the storage containers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totes. yeah. Use your totes as your replacement for your mm-hmm. uh, spring mat. We have our um, we have our mylar bags stored in one big Dewalt tote. Is it a Dewalt? Yeah. Tote? Well, we like the Dewalt. Oh, so Dewalt makes this like I guess it's a mobile uh, toolkit, right? It has like uh, it's designed. It's not designed for like what we use it for. I think it's Definitely designed not. for like a mobile job box. It locks, 
it, it has a handle that, that pulls out and it turns and it wheels off like a like a very very heavy type of like luggage. To Walt sponsor us. To Walt sponsor us. Uh, yeah. So it works great. Uh, we got it at uh, Home Depot. Mm -hmm. I think it was like sixty bucks. Uh, no way, it was more. It was more definitely than more. Than, yeah, it was like they were about 120. Oh, I wasn't paying attention, but uh, it uh, like a ridiculous amount of food fits in there. It is a huge tote. Uh, it's about the size of a like a like like a recliner, <laughs> like uh, several weeks worth of food for our family uh, fits inside of it, and it wheels. And because uh, so we just. If we need to ever go anywhere, we can always just wheel it out the door. Uh, any one of us could grab it because it's mostly freeze-dried food. Uh, wheel it out the door, throw it in the back of the truck, and we're going to go. And live out of it for for quite some time. Works out great for us. Uh, you guys can come up with your own ways to do things. I like to store stuff in. I like to go to the, uh, what do you call them, the... Uh, you army surplus stores mm -hmm. and get all of those uh, 55 uh, uh, caliber, well, 50 caliber ammo cans, the 30 caliber, the 30 millimeter ammo cans, things like that, and uh, store stuff in there. Uh, my favorite are the 40 Mike Mike cans, the 40 millimeter cans. If you can find those, they work the best, in my opinion, because they're super wide and they're super deep. Uh, but they're kind of hard to find. They're, everybody loves them, and so they kind of bring a premium. I would not be buying ammo cans on Amazon. They are expensive. Uh, whereas you can buy them you, at, your at your surplus store for less than 10 bucks. On Amazon, they want like, you know, 15 bucks and $25 in shipping. Excuse me. Um, uh, okay, let's talk about storing uh, some medicine. Which over-the-counter medicines do you need? What do you think you need? I think definitely, I mean, it's not over-the-counter, but I would say an antibiotic. Yeah, antibiotics work great. Uh, lots of antibiotics you can currently still kind of get over-the-counter a little bit if you know what you're doing. Um, buying them for fish works pretty good. However, the loophole for that is closing. And basically, the stocks that are out there right now is all there is going to be. And the rest of it is going to be uh, have to have a prescription to get it. So if your guppy gets sick, you're going to have to go to a vet and get a prescription. Stupid, I know, but hey, the government's saving us from ourselves. So uh, I would say Tylenol, aspirin, and the aspirins, the 81, millimeter, 81 milligram ones, don't get any bigger ones. You don't need them. Um, just the cheapy 81 milligram are going to be the one way to go for those because they're easy to dose with. Um, ibuprofen, especially um, for like you know, babies and stuff. Benadryl. Benadryl. Uh, like if you have allergies, like a Zyrtec or Claritin, whichever one of those works best for you. Uh, that way you have a non-drowsy alternative to your Benadryl. I would say... Not necessarily over-the-counter, but what about an EpiPen? Yeah, I mean, if, if you have somebody that has those kind of allergies, yeah, having an EpiPen would be great. Um, but, like, you know, you'd have to have somebody that has those kind of allergies. Just your rando dude on the street, you don't have a need for an EpiPen. You're going to be okay without one. If you don't have those kind of allergies, you don't need one. Benzocaine, so, like an Orgel? Yeah, Orgel works really, really good. Uh, Benzothoracane, uh, which is like your topical anesthetics. Those work great. 
Uh, some like Bengay or some of those 2% lidocaine creams work really well. I would say uh, now one of the things that I have found, and I, I old timey um, pharmacists still kind of carry them. So if you go to a pharmacy pharmacy, and not like your Walmart pharmacy, an actual pharmacy, uh, they'll have tooth repair kits, like emergency dental kits. And it's this moldable type, uh, looks like putty. It comes in a little bitty, it looks like a little tiny miniature film container. And you can mold it up, press it into a hole in your tooth or a chip part of your tooth. And then it comes with a little cool tool you can kind of shape it a little bit with. And then you're supposed to leave it there, expose the air for like like four or five minutes. And um, it's good to go. It gets super hard. And then your dentist can then remove it up, you know, a couple months later. If you left, you hike your way out of the jungle. But I've seen people use those emergency dental uh, repair kits and then not go to the dentist for six months and be fine. It gets super hard. You are not going to remove it by yourself. Uh, it's going to wear down about the same as your teeth will wear down. It's it's pretty much like JB Weld for teeth. It works out really well. They're worth it. Uh, I have a couple of them stored, but you can get them. Uh, you know, I, I haven't bought one in a while, but I bet you they're like twenty five to fifty bucks for on Amazon. Let's check that out really quick. Yeah. I think also too, like electrolytes would be really good. Electrolytes, um, Imodium AD, you know, things for tummy aches. Yeah. So uh, anything for tummy ache, anti-diarrheal medicine is going to be really, really great. Um, burn cream. Burn cream is going to be really good. Something to quick clot. Quick clot. Yeah, so there's there's a bunch of different types of quick clot. Uh I am a big fan of the quick hot, quick hot gauze. Um, I'm not a big fan of the powder. The powder is going to beat your butt. So it looks like a dentin is going to be the people uh, the, people's choice. <laughs> the people's choice for tooth repair kit. The $12.99 for three different types uh, of dent dental kit on Amazon. So that's going to be really great. That's I'm actually pretty impressed with that price. And vitamins, guys. Have some vitamins stocked away. Um, if, you're, if, if you're in a situation where you're not eating, or you're eating very scarcely, or, you know, whatever. Yeah, if you're living off eat, of ramen and rats. Yeah, you probably. might want to have some vitamins. Yeah, just just like you know, just a generic multivitamin is going to be fine. Yeah. Uh, it'll keep you from getting... Uh, you know, iron deficiencies and, and all sorts of bad stuff that happens with long-term of that. Uh, yeah, so we got uh, some dental care kind of going on. We've got anti-diarrheal medication. I would take some, and this is something that might be a little bit controversial, is I'd take some sleeping pills besides like your Benadryl, like some doxalamine succinate, because you might be somewhere that's safe, but you might have a really hard time sleeping because you're just so wound up. And if it's your turn to sleep and you've got like, you know, a couple hours or so, you know, eight or nine hours of downtime, you're going to need to sleep, not just sit there and stare off at the space. So being able to take a sleeping pill and knocking yourself out for a little while is going to be a good one, good way to go. And I would suggest doxalamine instead of like Ambien or Lunesta because doxalamine's over the counter and it doesn't leave you like a zombie. So if you have to wake up suddenly four hours after you've taken the pill, you can do it and be functional. 
instead of like ambient, not know where you're at and end up driving, you know, into a wall. Or like a Lumesta where you just hallucinate and think everybody's out to get you. So, yeah, good times, Lunesta. This is like being gently hit by that moth in the face of the sledgehammer. <laughs> you're just surprised you're asleep and you're going to stay that way. Uh, so, uh, feminine hygiene products. Yeah, we already covered those. Okay, so we're just going to call it feminine hygiene products. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, women those know of you, okay, so those of you that own a feminine part or identify as a feminine part, uh, get your emergency feminine replacement. Uh, I don't know. What is that? Like a used tire change kit? <laughs> yeah, that's what. It, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. It's a tire change yeah, kit. Yeah, it's basically like an undercarriage, you know, wash, repair kit, uh, oil change kit, whatever, whatever you need. Just make sure that you have that with you. Yeah. And the accompanying pills. Yeah. I will say, however, that probably the best thing for a migraine in the entire world is Midol. Hands down. It, it doesn't matter who you are, guy, girl, doesn't matter. Might all work great. Uh, take care of your teeth, take care of your feet, antifungals for your feet. Keep your feet dry. Keep your feet dry. Yes. Every chance you get, take your boots off, let your feet breathe. Uh, that kind of fun stuff. Wear your tactical Crocs because they're tactical because you're wearing them. You make them tactical. The person makes the crocs, not the yeah, croc makes the person. Exactly. So, uh, sport I think, mode. Yeah, sport mode. This is where you put the little strap back, you know, behind your heel. I'm a hey dude kind of girl, so. So, when you get to uh, your flashlights, things like that, I'm a big fan of LED, not a big fan of incandescent. Uh, yeah. Let's see. And then, uh, I I like the Amazon uh, Basics batteries, but I like the lithium ones, not the um, the non-lithium ones. Mm-hmm. Have you seen the non-lithium ones? I don't like that. What about um, a fire? Like, what's the best way to start a fire? Uh, with a lighter. Well, yeah, but yeah. what if people don't have a lighter? Have another lighter. Okay. Yeah. You're not being very helpful right no, now. No, I'm not. Because, uh, like, everybody who's watched TV on one of those survival shows for 15 minutes notices how big everybody struggles with trying to make, uh, like, caveman-style fire. Whereas uh, Bic lighters are really, really cheap. In fact, on Amazon, which I've done. Yeah, I know. I, thought, I remember I had a lot of lighters. Yeah, I bought an entire case of them. There's, like, 144 li- lighters for, like, $29 of the large Bic lighters. And... Uh, I'd say that they ended up in every piece of equipment we own. Mm-hmm. Hey, there's four for the car door. Here's one on the, on the glove part, glove department. Camping? Yes, I'll put one in every every pair of pockets I got, the very bottom of the pockets. So yeah, like uh, having the best thing for a fire is a lighter. Lighter fluid. Just the Should lighter. They have lighter fluid? Nah. Okay. 144 lighters for 20 bucks is going to last you a very long time. If you uh, just want to be one of those people who loves LARPing um, and just really wants to look cool with a fire starter of some type, there's all sorts of those, like, uh, man, those Magneto matches where you just have the, it's a a spring-loaded flint and steel, and you just kind of press down it and shoot sparks. 
It's cool. Does it work? Yes. Is it that cool? No. Is it going to work any better than your uh, Bic lighter? Not at, not at all. Uh, I think the government spent a lot of money trying to find something that worked better than the Bic lighter, and nobody, they never did. So, I, you, you, yeah, everybody's going to be like, but my, uh, my Zippo. Yeah, your Zippo has one big flaw, guys, and you know what that is? Lighter fluid. I was just going to say, that's why I said lighter fluid. Make sure you got some lighter fluid. No, now you've got, well, the Bic lighters don't use lighter fluid. They use right. uh, compressed gas. But like if you have you have to carry that lighter fluid somewhere, you have something they can spill. And if that lighter fluid spills on stuff, it True. eats plastic. And if your bag oh, has plastic okay. in it, made of plastic, and your food's in there with plastic on it, it's going to eat through everything and it's going to suck. Uh, as far as a first aid kit goes, we talked about uh, quick clock gauze. The reason I don't recommend your average, everyday, random civilian carries anything that has to do with quick clock is because they don't know when to use it. They get panicky. They see some bleeding and they're like, ah, I've got the thing for this. And they throw their quick clot on there and they cause more damage than they cause good. Quick clot and the likes is only going to be for uncontrolled bleeding. This means that a little bit of pressure or a lot of bit of pressure doesn't stop the bleeding. It just keeps bleeding and bleeding and bleeding and bleeding. Then you throw your quick clot, gauze, gauze in there. And then you can throw your, 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 your stop a bleeding aid of any type in there uh, because how it works is that it's full of all these little tiny holes that are smaller than the actual blood cells. So it uses a basically a super fast cap capillary. Is that the, is that the word capillary mm -hmm. capillary action uh, that separates out the actual blood cells from the plasma liquid in the blood, leaving behind a giant blood clot. And this happens very, very fast. And anytime something happens super fast on a chemical level, it generates a lot of heat. The first rounds of quick clot used to leave second-degree burns on people who would use it. Uh, since then, it has left. Uh, it's gotten a lot better because they've slowed down the action a little bit by, by impregnating it in gauze. But it still gets uncomfortably warm and can end up causing... Uh, uh, you know, free-range clots inside of your body if you are not careful with how you apply it. Um, tourniquets are great. Uh, if you watch any sort of cop show or YouTube channel, some dude will get slightly winged in the arm or leg, and everybody pulls out their tourniquets, tackles the guy down, and throws a tourniquet on it. The only time you need a tourniquet is if you're squirting blood to the moon or you have bleeding that cannot be controlled by any other way. You're not going to throw a tourniquet on a through-and-through -through bullet wound that's trickling blood. Because it's controlled bleeding, right? Even though it's just barely trickling blood, you can, you're good. We're talking about squirt, squirt, squirt blood, tourniquet. Tourniquets, are, it's okay for your police officer to throw a tourniquet on whatever they want because they're five minutes from the hospital. And once they get to the hospital, we immediately cut it off them and go, yeah, you didn't need to do that. And they go, but my tourniquet said I did. And, uh, yeah, so you don't really need to do that. Uh, improper use of tourniquets uh, during World War One and World War II uh, cost a lot of people limbs. Uh, that was a beautiful yodeling sound provided by our toddler and a piece of PVC. <laughs> she made a musical instrument.
Uh, other than that, all of just like banded band-aids, the smaller little stuff is what gets you. Little cuts, little scrapes, treat everything. You get a hangnail, treat it. Like actually wash it off uh, and treat it. Um, hydrogen peroxide is good for a lot of things, although hydrogen peroxide does have a tendency to oxidize nice new cells in the area and make healing last longer on like uh, big scrapes, right? Where you've skinned an area, then hydrogen peroxide is not going to be the appropriate thing. Iodine would work a little bit better for that. But having just a quart of each, a quart of alcohol, a quart of rubbing up uh, iodine, uh, and a quart of uh, hydrogen peroxide, and you know, some witch hazel, add some other stuff in there. Some calamine lotion for bites, for insect bites, things like that, rashes. All that stuff is going to help. It's going to make your life a little bit easier. Uh, dust masks. Yeah, I mean, come on. It's everybody and their mom at this point should have a pretty healthy supply of masks in their. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. In their possession. I have some in my glove compartments too. Yeah. Yeah. So moist towelettes, towelettes, uh, those are great. Uh, my favorite ones are like, uh, those, the larger white type. Uh, so a lot like baby wipes work really well. Uh, but I like, uh, the large, like dude wipe types, things like that. Uh, just because, you know, like they're basically just, those ones are designed to be used as kind of a, um, substitute for a bath. They're very large. And if you can find the, um, the, uh, the bath substitute towelettes, those are going to be working a lot better for you for like hitting your pits or around your neck area or like anywhere you need. Uh, if, uh, you know, if you go a couple of days without a shower, they really bring your spirits back up. Uh, a toolkit, come on, it's just self-explanatory. All your regular tools, you know, just a wide variety of, is going to be great for you. Uh, just regular, if just whatever you need for like a regular homeowner's toolkit. Pliers, vice grips, uh, you know, a, a couple, two sizes of pipe wrench, a small one, a big one. A uh, hammers, you know, just the whole nine yards. You're not going to come into a situation where you're going to wish like, man, I wish I really didn't have so many tools in my house, right? And then a manual can opener. All can openers are not the same. Um, we have gone through a bunch of different can openers and uh, found that Swingline is the best of the best of the best can opener. Our Swingline can opener has lasted us for a very long time, and we have the one that has the, the larger crank handle. So it's not like the little bitty handle. Ours has like this, like five inch handle. And man, you could like two rounds of it, and it'll open like a number ten can. It is amazing. It's sharp. It's great. Uh, swing line, best can opener in the business. Uh, yeah, they're great. Uh, what else you got, lady? I'm trying to think what else. Local maps. Yeah, yeah. local maps. Yeah, Offline, like not one, not just on your cell phone. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, if you if you have no access to power, you have no access to internet. So like anything you can print beforehand, you know, that you think will be helpful. Creating a binder of like you know things that you want to print off. You know how to build X Y Z, how to make a poor man's Berkey, how to you know things like that. Um, definitely oh, recommended. Ten out of ten. Don't forget uh, stuff for your dog. Oh yes. If yeah, you have like pets. dog food or pet food. Yep. 
Uh, your cat will be fine. Just kick it. Just, just it, it, it'll go kill something. Uh, <laughs> but your dog, you yeah, definitely, definitely your dog. Um, diaper rash ointment. It's not just for. It's not just for babies. It's for you, in case you get a rash somewhere. Uh, it's pretty common uh, the people who to get like a sweat rash somewhere. Throw some of that on there. It's good. A good sleeping bag for everybody. I do not suggest anybody use a sleeping bag under double size. Like the double size sleeping bags are great. Uh, even if you're not a big person or you want to fit two people in a sleeping bag, having the extra room to be able to shove your clothes down there with you for like tomorrow morning. So if you're in a cold environment, sleeping with tomorrow's clothes, it makes all the difference in the world. Clean clothes, just shove down in your bag so that they're warm for you to put on first thing in the morning. It's a win, man. It's a win. Hard, hard win. So, yeah, it's double sleeping bags are the way to go. Uh, That way you can also kind of, like, double it up and use it as a, uh, like, you know, you can roll up in a little bit and uh, stay super extra warm. This is saying, ready.gov says a fire extinguisher? I mean, yeah, sure, I guess. Just don't make fires inside. Anything that's going to get out of control outside is like beyond your control. Uh, mess kits. Just use paper plates, paper cuts, plates, towels, plastic utensils. That kind of stuff for the short term, long term. Check out your local camping area of your store. We have these really cool like blue plates. They're like enamel coated uh, blue plates. Camping plates. Yeah, camping plates. Uh, we use those all the time. I just use them for dinner. And they're indestructible. Are, I inherited those from pre pre marriage. Yeah, they were yours. Yeah. He had a bunch of he was total bachelor guys and he had a bunch of camping gear that was, as his kitchen utensils. Because it worked so well. Terrible. But I, mean, I still have them. So. Live how you prepare. Prepare how you live. America. Oh, <laughs> um and then uh, like you know, just kind of round this out. Is books, games, puzzles, other activities to keep kids uh, active. I would also like, you know, entertain. I would like to add uh, one extra thing to there is stash a little bit of candy. All right. Uh, It doesn't have to be a bunch. It doesn't have to be like anything crazy, but stashing a little bit of candy so that uh, you could be the cool kid who pops out with it. Like when morale sucks. Or, or something like, yeah, man, I'm tired of pooping in the toilet. Would you like some chocolate? You can really lift some spirits pretty easily. You can tame an angry wife. <laughs> you can, uh, you know, take a toddler from throwing a fit to happy. Uh, just a little, just stash it. Don't let anybody else know where it's at. Just so that you have it just to dole out to raise spirits and be the cool kid for that. That's going to pretty much round up our uh, contingency kind of stuff. You notice we did not talk about firearms. Mm, uh, let's not talk about firearms. We're not going to talk about firearms in this one. Yeah. Yeah, that's a long talk. And that'll be a whole different episode. Uh, but uh, as far as just regular everyday stuff goes for short-term emergencies. I think we got everything this is, covered. This is, a, this is a pretty standard short list. I mean, uh, it's a pretty common list. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of stuff, guys, but it's like really a shopping cart full of stuff. Uh, And you can go get it from the dollar store. You can check out places online. Um, Let's see. Let's drop a couple of our favorite places. 
familyotc.com. So that's family over the OTC stands for over the counter, which is going to be familyotc.com is an online pharmacy, basically, uh, that does like over the counter stuff. All your wound care essentials and stuff there is going to be really, really cheap. Like your four by fours, your ace bandage wraps, all of that stuff is going to be stupid cheap there. Like really, really, really cheap. So uh, that works really well. Get some uh, butterfly bandages so that if you do have like a, a pretty decent cut, you can use your butterfly bandages to kind of close it up a little bit. After you've irrigated the wound, um, I like to irrigate with that uh, compressed, it's like called wound wash, but it's compressed saline. It's just saline in a spray bottle. It works really well. It's sterile. You can use it to flush out eyes. You can use it to flush out wounds. You can use it for just about everything. Doesn't ever expire. Doesn't ever go bad. Super easy to use. Super easy to good stuff. Make sure to take care of your feet. So that that's including like uh, get some moleskin, and so that you can. I like the big pads of moleskin, so that I can cut it to size and cut it to shape. Uh, that that that's going to help you a, immensely if you have any sort of foot issues. But you should not be bugging out or going on a crazy hike with brand new boots you've never broke in. You should be bugging out in comfortable stuff that you've actually worn around. Because you're going to go and pop on your brand new Doc Market Martins, go out there and end up with blisters everywhere and can't walk. And you're just a gimpy gazelle at that point. I think that pretty much does it for that. Let's get into our plant of the uh, tree of the day. Let's do our tree of the day real quick. The tree of the day is going to be the clamidin orange. Is that how I said it? Clamidin. Anyway, it's a little bit orange. It's really cute. It's adorable. It uh, grows great inside and outside. Everybody can grow it from zone 2 to zone 11. So it says, most often grown as a beautiful ornamental, the clamidin orange tree, sometimes called a clamancy or a miniature orange, also produce edible fruit. It is a cross between a mandarin orange and a kumquat. It is originally from China. It has been grown in Florida since the early 1900s and has been a popular potted plant for decades. The fruit tree is also known for being used as a bonsai. Uh, it actually gets a little bit bigger than that, guys. I'd say it probably gets about five or six feet tall if you let it or grow it in a garbage can, which is my favorite way to grow citrus. Uh, like, that, unless it's in the ground, it's in a garbage can. Like, I grow them in those, like, 20-gallon gray garbage cans. Mm-hmm. I just poke, I just take, like, a half-inch drill bit and drill holes around the bottom and then fill it with a good uh, citrus mix of potting soil. And that way I can just wheel it in and out uh, using a hand truck when in out of the garage when the weather gets crappy. Other than that, the plants will live their entire life in there and give you tons of little oranges. It also goes on to say this is the perfect plant to exit, exit your patio sunroom with this bonus of citrus fruit. Enjoy attractive green leaves, beautiful white blossoms, and orange-scented flowers. The climate oranges are a vibrant yellow-orange. The tree produces fruit year-round. Plotted cabinet trees should rot indoors for the winter months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Clamidin oranges look like small oranges. They are slightly sour, making them more like uh, limes and lemons in taste and use. The peels are edible. The fruit is often eaten whole. One cool thing about these is they candy really well. You take yourself a fork and you stab like all four sides of these things. And you drop them in uh, like a simple syrup. And you pop that whole simple syrup 
and your refrigerator. And then you can take those guys out then and then add them to, oh, whiskey, <laughs> vodka, all sorts of stuff. Or just uh, eat them uh, as like a treat that way. It takes out about that. Then you have your simple syrup that is now uh, flavored like with them that you can then make sodas and everything else out. They have fiber, potassium, and very importantly, vitamin C and vitamin A. Uh, the fruit is prized for marmalades. Bakers enjoy using flaminate oranges and recipes to replace lemons and limes, such as bars, tarts, and cookies. So grown on the ground, they get 6 to 10, 10 feet tall. Um, they're self-pollinating, uh, so you don't need another one. They produce true fruit inside, outside, however you want to do it. Um, if you're going to do... Inside, it says to use a small paintbrush to uh, pollinate them. Never wanted to do it like that. Always, always use the vibrating toothbrush. Just, just vibrate the the side of the limb that all the ones are on. They'll, 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 they'll the the fruit, the pollen will fall from the pistol down into it, and it'll it'll do its thing. Uh, that's about it, guys. So uh, they're not grown commercially. It's kind of a weird one. Now, it's a real fun one. It's uh, I like it. If you get a chance to get one, get one. It'll help keep you in vitamin C. Also, when they're flowering, which is probably about every other month, they smell amazing. And your house smells amazing as well. What do you got for, you got any other new stuff? No, it was just, it was just the submarine stuff, which we already covered. So. How's, uh, how's all the wheat and everything doing? Like... Yeah, it's a. I remember them them saying that something about uh, they were uh, running out of um, supplies somewhere, but uh, yeah, everything was kind of going to crap as far as food wise. Do, do, do. You were too busy looking at TikTok. <laughs> she gives me the meanest looks of the entire world. So commodities, as far as commodities go, have you guys ever seen that uh, I've been watching the commodity prices that beef, uh, feeder beef has gone up quite a bit. Uh, and then um, we were predicting that, if you remember, that originally beef was going to kind of go up a little bit, then it's going to come down real quick because nobody can afford to feed anything. And then next year it's going to be super expensive because there's just not going to be any feed. Uh, that's one thing that I'd be watching out for. Uh, in the future is that just meat prices are going to go crazy, guys. Meat, eggs, cheese, anything animal feed derivative that's relied on, reliant on all of these imports of grain, cheap feed stuff, and also on our local crops, uh, you're, like not failing is going to be uh, pretty expensive. Let's see. Plant of the day. What was uh, the plant of the day? It was a gooseberry. So gooseberries are pretty awesome. Uh, they're a relative of the current, um, which is in a family that has a really interesting, crazy name. It's called a ribs. A ribs? 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 Right. I'm going to call it ribs. I'm probably uh, pronouncing it wrong because the British named it, uh, and they name everything wrong. So uh, gooseberries... For some reason, they're not super popular down in the south, even though they do grow down here. Uh, and they're more popular overseas. It's indigenous to many parts of Europe and, uh, and Asia. It grows all over the place. 
from France eastward. It grows all over um, America as well. Uh, growing up in, in Idaho, they were pretty common. I like them. They're kind of like, to me, kind of a uh, little bit more sour version of a grape. If you get the green ones, they're pretty sour. The red ones are much sweeter. Uh, there's a bunch of domesticated versions of them. Uh, commonly, they're raised from cuttings rather than seed. Uh, cuttings planted in autumn will take root quickly, begin to bear fruit within a few years. Uh, but you, they also do great from seed as well. So fruits are produced on the lateral spurs of the previous year's shoots. So very, so it'd be like a uh, a floricane blackberry kind of. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense to me. You want to prune them to keep them open so they don't get any sort of uh, um, fungal issues. They do get funguses pretty easily. Um, white pine blister rust is a uh, big problem with them in the mountain states. Uh, they are surprisingly good for you. They've got tons of vitamin A. These little guys have 33% of your vitamin C. So growing some gooseberries are going to be good for you and easy to use. Super easy to go. Uh, gooseberries, you can find them all over the United States. Anywhere that you're going to get out there that the ground has been disturbed and then not disturbed for a long time. So fire, like your, your, your fire cutting lane, telephone lines, areas, things like that. Good, good spot. That's going to pretty much do it for the day, guys. I don't got much anything else to you, lady. Nope. That's the sound of happiness and sunshine. And we're going to call it, and hey, little beast, do you have anything else? She's like, dramatically, no. Super dramatically, no. We wish you guys the best. We thank you for listening. Our guys, we're picking up a bunch of people there in Australia. Uh, hey, they liked the hydroponic episode. Everybody liked the hydroponic episode. It was the best one we've done so far. Mm -hmm. People just like uh, growing with water. Is there anything you guys want to hear about specifically? Please shoot us an email. It'd be uh, thisferallifepodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we've gotten a couple emails already, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, which is pretty cool. We like hearing from you guys. Uh, so far, it's all been positive. Nobody's said, you know, go jump off a cliff. So that's worked out pretty well. Thank you guys so much. We will talk to you next week, and we will... What, what is our topic going to be next week? I don't know yet. We don't know yet. <laughs> It'll be a surprise topic. We'll, we'll figure it out. Uh, we'll probably go off some suggestions that we get on our social media. Uh, oh, speaking of which, we made pickles today, and I forgot to upload that. So I'm going to have to upload the pickle uh, pictures to uh, Instagram and Facebook. So yeah, you can find us on Facebook as This Feral Life. You can find us on Instagram as This Feral Life as well. Uh, we appreciate a like and a uh, follow. follow on both of those. As far as that, I don't think we've actually gotten anything else. We have the, the Etsy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's thisferalife.etsy.com. And uh, with that, guys, thank you very much. We love our listeners. Go Australia. You guys are picking up like crazy. And Poland. We got a bunch of people from Poland now. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Which is different. Uh, I don't know how to say... We love you in Poland. But I think I I think we love you is all is universal. So. Okay. All right, guys. And thank you much. Good night.